Hey guys, welcome to the My Condolences podcast, the podcast about the hilarious and harrowing stories of life after death. Today, I have Donna with me, who's my surrogate mother. (laughs) And today, we're going to talk about her parents, Catherine and Everett. Donna, welcome. I love you. Thank you. I love you too. And we should let everyone know that we have a cat sitting right on the table with us, joining us. Ziggy. Miss Ziggy. She's very cute. So why don't you tell me about this crazy story of your parents who got married when they were 15 in Kentucky? Well, my dad was 15. My mom was 15. And my dad was 16. Uh, And uh, everybody said it wouldn't last. And 65 years later, well, they were wrong. I uh, actually, when I gave my parents their 65-year anniversary card, I said, you know, they're going to stop making these. (laughs) (laughs) Because not many people get to do that. Yeah, because yeah, they obviously marry, you know, quite later. Uh, and my dad, the story is, is that he was going on, uh, going to take a bus to meet a gal. And uh, came to the soda shop and my mom was there. And they decided to cut a rug and my father never made the bus. Amazing. Since knowing you since I was 18, you are kind of the perfect balance of Southern hospitality and sass. And you have this super secret, loving, caring, obsessed with animals side of yourself (laughs) that you kind of hide. I think we can agree. Because you kind of come off like a ball buster at the jump. And I think after hearing about your parents, that's kind of the perfect combo of them. Your dad was very sweet. Your mom was really sassy, right? Yeah. My mom could be over the top uh, and sometimes cruel. Yeah. She had a bit of a mean streak, right? Yes. Uh huh. And I think that was, you know, I mean, we, we are all a product of our environment. And uh, my grandmother and my father, grandfather could be very cruel Hmm. Uh, and she was the first of seven Uh, so a lot was put onto her shoulders sure she was a mom to all those children I'm sure exactly exactly and my father was the youngest of 13 so she was the oldest of seven and he was the youngest of 13 so he was and they waited to the 13th to give him junior what the hell? What the hell? That's insane. <laughs> Isn't that insane? Uh, and so everybody took care of Junior. So Junior was just the apple of everybody's eye. Totally different experience. Totally different experience. So the fact that these two uh, met and um, melded and said, okay, we're for each other is really kind of extraordinary because they were so very, very different. Absolutely. Very different. So I want to talk about the fact that you were this badass young lady in Kentucky and you went, fuck it, I'm out of here. And you took your butt all the way to New York City with Dreams to Direct, right? Mm-hmm. Correct. So you go to New York, you've been super fearless, you meet your super bald and awesome husband, John, along the way in Los Angeles. Correct. But you guys lived blocks from each other and didn't know it, right? Correct. Amazing. Yeah. So you get to L.A., where it's where I met you many moons later. You have this beautiful compound, all of these trees. 
and I get to know you talk about your family a little bit and you guys always would go back to Kentucky to see your family what are some of your best memories of seeing your parents when you would go back <laughs> uh, well one of the best is when uh, you know John and I were together and we went back and John was trying to impress my parents with cooking oh lord and yes oh lord and he had uh put put walnuts underneath the broiler and he pulled them out and they were on fire (gasps) so john pulls them out and he burns the hair on his arms and burns the hair on his his eyebrows and he throws them out into the yard no and my father who was just loved taking care of his yard and his garden and he walks up the steps and he looks in the yard and he goes my grass is on fire (laughs) (laughs) you're like this is john uh hello yes this is my this is my husband and um uh, well no we weren't married at the time uh and then later on when we were john has this big thing of not wanting to go past the mason dixon line no it's not the mason dixon line what is it the rocky mountains uh in the summertime because it's so humid and so awful so we go to kentucky and he gets off the plane and he just says it's hot (laughs) it's humid and we go to my parents house and they've built this porch and john is like there's air conditioning inside but we're still on the the porch (laughs) can't we just go into the air conditioning and then it gets dark and we went for a walk and he said it's just dark it's still (laughs) hot it's just dark and my parents were just like but we're out on a porch we're on a porch now let me point out something to you guys is that after spending four years living next door to you and your husband john you guys spent all the time on your porch yes I know. except for <laughs> i just want to point that out yeah. john and daughter were never not on the porch yeah. but it's a little different because la it's cool at night and yada 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 but like yeah. living up in the mountains where we are it's like it's, yeah. it can get muggy up here and y'all just sit out there and sweat and you eat that fried chicken and you drink you drink mint juleps and you're like totally good to go so i want to talk about uh the fact that your mom had been diagnosed with colon cancer. Yes. Let's talk about, I remember that day, because I remember you were in my house sitting in the AC, and I was like, Tana, what are you doing in here? And you were like... I used to sleep in your hallway. I know. (laughs) John and Donna didn't have air conditioning, and I'd go in there, and Donna would be like with a cup of coffee and a newspaper, and I'd be like, hey, Donna, I got to take a shower. Are you just going to hang out here? Yeah, I like your hallway a lot. Oh, yeah, because that's literally the only place the air conditioning reached was the freaking hallway of yeah. this little house. Um, so your mom was diagnosed, and then your mom eventually passes away, and you weren't home for that. No. Why don't you talk about what that was like being so far away? Uh, it kind of made it a, a, a surreal event. Uh, my sisters took the brunt of that, mm-hmm. and I felt guilty about that um nothing i could do because you didn't know when she was going to pass or how good or how bad she was going to be um but my sisters took shifts you know and my dad didn't want to face it they've been together so long so long uh and they talked you know they talked about it um 
the silly thing is that because he had a massive coronary at 49, they always assumed that he would go first. Right. And he did not like the idea of her beating him to the punch. Right, and being left. He really felt that she would be left, and she felt that too. Mm -hmm. So it was really kind of a surprise to them. Um, And they talked a lot about that and being coming to the grips and being okay with it. Mm -hmm. Um, The one thing that she asked was that she not be put into a hospital or that she not be put into a nursing home Mm -hmm. um, and that they would take care of her. Mm -hmm. And my sisters did that. And my dad did that. Um, I think he kind of, as much as he could, would be on the periphery of it. Sure. Because it was too painful for him. But my sisters really stepped up. Yeah. Uh, And when she did pass, uh, you know, it's funny. My sisters were really great. And they said, you know, we've handled this. Get your ass in Kentucky. Right. You need to you need to handle this other part. Right. We need you here. We you know, daddy needs you. We need to be the three of us. And we do have a brother, but I'm not sure, you know, the less said about my brother, probably the better, you know. Mm, that's fine. Um but well, well, uh, one thing about you is that you are hyper, hyper organized. Yes, it is and an I, incredible strength that. of yours. And I think you coming down there. So you and John flew down. Yeah. Right? And yeah. then what was that experience like for you? And I, I know again we'll talk about the fact that about five years later your dad passes away, but having gone through that the first time, what was that like for you to go home and be in that environment? Well, you know, I mean it was very of course extremely sad because my dad was pretty devastated you know and so we had to hold him together Mm -hmm. uh and that was an interesting part of it so it really became a lot about uh the organization Mm -hmm. of the event and the really surprising thing that came about it is that my mother had left a letter oh i didn't know that yes she left a letter and said because there were cemetery plots that were in the family for ever ever absolute ever going back to my great grandparents that all the parishes were put into the cemetery in bardstown and there was a place for my mother and there was a place for my father and my mother had a letter that we did not know about uh and how my sisters got a hold of the letter it was there before i got there and they showed me the letter um i'm not exactly sure how it came that they got their hands on it what did it say it said that the three of us had to tell my father that there was no way in hell that she was going to be put in the ground because she did not like worms. Hilarious. And she did not like bugs. And she was not about to be a part of that. No. And she wanted to be cremated. And that we had to make sure that her wishes were honored. 
So you had her cremated. And my father threw a fit. Really? Oh, God, yes. Because he wanted to keep up the tradition. He wanted he to have wanted her. He wanted her buried. And we just said, but mom doesn't want that. And you have to regard her wishes. Mm-hmm. And he fought us. And we just said, this is what mother wants. She has signed this. She has addressed this letter to her three daughters. And on purpose. On purpose. Because she knew that if it was left to daddy... That it would she'd be, be in a beautiful casket she'd be in, in a the beautiful ground. casket with worms mm-hmm. and she just would not have it mm-hmm. so we made the compromise with my father that we said look we will cremate mom we'll put her in an urn and then when you pass we will have the urn put into your arms i love it and you will be buried together and my father said, if you can promise me that, right, then I'm okay with that. And so that's how we did it. So because we're talking about both your mom and dad, I want to skip ahead a little bit and then we'll go back to your mom and dad together. But so flash forward five years, your dad's had a great five years. He did really well. He, he stayed very active where he was living and, and kept his spirits up quite a bit. But then he ended up passing away of congestive heart failure is that right uh yes it just kind of gave out after you know all of those years because he was 90 yes and to think that he had a heart attack at 49 49 and he died on the way to the hospital and they brought him back and they brought him back and he had a quintuplet bypass and kind of the favorite story is that his cardiologist uh a dr bean blossom um, his eventual cardiologist was Dr. Bean Blossom's son. Hilarious. My father was inherited. That's amazing. <laughs> Isn't that the best? <laughs> yeah. And Dr. Bean Blossom Jr. said, you know, he used my father uh, as the example of this is how you get through a massive coronary and live and tell not about it. die. That's amazing. Yeah. So I know from hearing you talk about daddy. 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 Mm-hmm. The daddy was very, very sweet and very, very genteel. Yes. yes. And what was that like for you to not have daddy anymore? Didn't, because you're very much daddy's girl in your own way. I feel like he was very sweet to all of very you Very true. Very true. Um, you know, it's just that, and once again, he died when I was not there. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it was for something else that he went in and his heart just gave out. Uh it actually wasn't as sad as my mom mm-hmm. because we took such good care of him. And thank God for the Masonic home. Mm-hmm. And my dad being a, a master mason, and they took phenomenal care of him. Uh, and we got to always, you know, take him out every week to mm-hmm. go to whatever restaurant you know or uh and trips and whatever day things we could do with him mm-hmm. uh and ride him around in convertibles and you know just treat him like a god mm-hmm. uh that when he passed it was uh it was okay because he made it to 90 mm-hmm. and we lost him at 49 and got him back so 
look at how many years, 40 years. Absolutely. You know, uh, that modern medical miracles uh, gave us. And all of those 40 years, he did everything in his life to be a good person. I think you've done everything you can in your life to be a good person. One could hope for that. I think that's very true. I think it's kind of remarkable of having kind of a trying to think of the right word for your mom a sharp person matched with someone so soft and kind and warm like your dad that you've done a good job of balancing and not letting that sharpness and bite overcome you as an adult I I would say that earlier in my life I was probably more like my mother Mm -hmm. uh, and that I am now probably more like my dad yeah. And that's just, you know, age and hopefully some kind of grace. Mm-hmm. One of the best things is a great story. My father, to the grandkids, and even to us, we were used to always saying, she'll be coming around the mountain. Mm-hmm. Uh, and my sister Bonnie wanted to have, she'll be coming around the mountain, sang, <laughs> you know, or, or as part of the music program when my father died. And my sister Carol was like, absolutely no way (laughs) and so i had no idea because i didn't deal with that part uh and then the very last song uh was she'll be coming around the mountain and we just whooped and hollered i was like thank god that's exactly what my father would have wanted i had started a wonderful wonderful thing with my father uh, years before he died, and I called them Pa stories because mm-hmm. he was known as Pa. It was Nanny and Pa. And John was with me on many of those occasions where we would, I would just either write them down as fast as I could or sometimes occasionally I would turn on a tape recorder and we would do stories of my father from from when he was a child to you know all the way through his life uh uh and they were absolutely extraordinary stories and he told this one story where he was coming back and he had made the decision to marry my mom and he had been a hobo and when he was traveling he would sleep at cemeteries Hmm. in the at the night And he said, because they were always kind to me and they never bothered me. Hmm. So there there was this whole story that he told about the cemetery. So that when I said a few words at my father's funeral, and it was interesting, my sisters could never do that. And so both at my mother's funeral and at my father's funeral, I was the designated speaker. It's very hard to do. Very hard to do. Uh, so at my father's, I read the story about how he would stay at the cemeteries at night, uh, and felt safe and, uh, and that they didn't mind him being there. Mm -hmm. So, uh, that was a really wonderful moment that I would have never had if I hadn't had all of these stories of my father from the time that he was little, you know, right. and lots of stories about World War II. And I think, too, that the sequence of losing one parent and then the other kind of puts it in perspective all of a sudden of, oh, this is temporary. Yeah. He's not guaranteed to be here. And right. that's kind of what prompted you guys to then want to cherish those memories. Right. Preserve that time. What would you say to someone who's 
losing or has lost a parent or both parents, what, what advice would you give them, something you didn't know that they should know? I mean, I think that because I lost my parents when they were 85 and 90, uh, a lot of things had been said. Mm-hmm. You know, there were, you know, times with my mother where she was, you know, very evil <laughs> and difficult to deal with. Sure. But as the years passed and as she got older, uh, we would, I would just confront her with it and we would talk about it. And it wasn't uh, an, an animosity, but it was just uh, trying to understand where she came from mm-hmm. uh, and what really was ultimately important in her life. My mother, I don't think, ever really understood herself. Uh, so I think that the only thing that you can really do as a child is to just try to ask the questions. So one thing that you and your husband have done is you guys are phenomenal adoptive parents. And you've been pretty honest about the fact that little kids are not your cup of tea, that you <laughs> love young you know, teenagers and, and moving into young adults. Being raised by the mix of your parents, how do you think that affected you as a parent? How you how you actually did parent? Um, I think it really made me want to be very uh, honest with the boys uh, and not try to ever raise my voice to them mm-hmm. uh, and uh, never be even make them think of being physical with them absolutely um i think it was just really being uh trying to be open and honest with them a bit more transparent yeah don't you think that being from the south that it's very common that those those skeletons lie deep and dark in the back of closets it's parents are not very transparent as far as what's really going on with them i think it's easy as a kid to misinterpret that well, I don't know that it really has to do with regionalism. Okay. I think that it really has to do with the parents and the grandparents that you are born into. Because there's people from every single solitary regional geographical position in life that uh, have the same kind of problems, mm-hmm. you know. Um so I don't think it's a regionalism. I think it's really kind of where your parents were and, and how honest they're willing to be with you. And then it's kind of your duty to be as honest as you want to be with your children. Yeah, to, to realize it and go, you know, I don't really want to do that. Uh, you know, I was very reluctant to be a parent uh, because I saw my two sisters um, be screamers screamers to their children uh and that was my mother Mm -hmm. and i did not want to do that and i didn't know if i couldn't not do that sure and that's a really um kind of a hard thing to admit that you think you might be a really shitty ass parent because of where you came from yeah and you don't want to repeat that yeah uh, and uh, when you see your twin sister, yeah, 
uh, and your older sister, knowing that they were both screamers, uh, it really makes you question, why would you be any different? Sure. Well, you've gone on to kind of defy those odds and overcome those genetics if they are to be... I think one of the most loving parents on the planet, and you I certainly. I don't adopt- know if I would if I had birthed them. Well, you know, people I need parents, know. though. You I know, don't I know. think, I think that uh, your son has turned out to be, you know, he's spectacular. He is. You guys, he is spectacular. Oh, you guys did such a good job with him. He's yeah. he's the best, and yeah. he's such a hard worker, and so yeah. driven, and so kind, and yes. so gentle. And I think that's such a an honest. Yes, he's just he's just very authentic. Yes. That's I don't think that there's a um, an ill willed or artificial bone in that boy's no. body. No. And I know that being a young person who moved in across the driveway from you guys when I was eighteen and an alien from Florida, <laughs> my God. This would be a separate podcast about like what a virginal nerd I was. It was horrible. <laughs> Like you guys, for you uh, listeners out there, the girl didn't come out of her bedroom for the first year. It's true. I was. Just we getting, were like, you know, you really have a lovely living room. You might want to venture in there. I don't know why I was just convinced someone was gonna like jump over the fence and stab me. I was like, I'm gonna stay back here and watch Gilmore Girls and eat pumpkin pie from Ralph's, and it's gonna be a great life. Um, I've grown a lot, thankfully, since then. But uh, I definitely spent my very young. Uh, adult years of learning you know what things were and understanding songs like afternoon delight and i can't get no satisfaction and 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 uh, yes listeners she did not know what afternoon delight meant yeah i had a really awesome experience of uh, guys in acting class were doing a scene from anchorman and i thought it was ice cream so it was like afternoon delight and i was like hey you guys want to hear some afternoon delight and i come home and Don and her husband, who you can hear laughing in the background, was just like, what the fuck did you do? That is not what that means. And I'm like, oh, my God. Just the education I had next door to you guys. Hilarious. Like, you know, you guys were the uh, fun aunt and uncle slash parents that I never got to have. Um, you guys were bigger partiers than I was for many years. I mean, I was like... I'd be home knitting hey, and John listen, and I, I cleaned up I, I, I held your head hey, while you bumped hey. it in your hair hey that was a very bad night we don't need to air this out no we don't but that was just oh god spicy tuna bad uh-huh. bad 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 yeah, yeah. oh god good times well I want to talk to you about and you've said this about your particular um view on spirituality or religion or lack of religion but where do you think your parents are now? In the ground in Bardstown. And that's it. I just have real problems with spirituality uh, and a heaven or a hell. Uh, if there's a hell, there's a certain amount of people I really want to be burning very brightly. Um, if there's a heaven... I'd love to think that, you know, some people that I really adore and respect uh, are there. Uh, but, you know, I think that if there is anything in a spirituality, it's the people who have died in my parents and then I take the best of them. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I realize that the worst of them I'm going to learn from and not repeat their mistakes. Absolutely. You've done a good uh, job of not doing that. So, 
I, you know, I, uh, I, this, the heaven and hell and the Bible and all of that stuff, uh, I just can't go there. Horseshit. It's horseshit. Horseshit. That's okay. I, I, you know, and look, I, if I'm mistaken and it's not horseshit, oh well, it'll be too late for me. <laughs> I have a really strong feeling you're good. I don't think you're going to get to the pearly gates and they're going to go, you thought you were going to be worm food. Goodbye. Goodbye. I don't think that's how it works. uh, But if it is worm food, then, you know, somebody needs to feed a worm. It's true. You guys are the most. You know, worms got to be, you know, if they're hungry, you got to feed them. It's true. The compassion this woman has for animals is remarkable. What what is that song? Uh, The worms crawl in, the worms crawl out, in your belly and out your mouth. That sounds disgusting. (laughs) But it is a song. Is that a Kentucky thing? That's freaking me out. No, I think it's a song. Okay, last question. Yeah. Have a sip of wine. Go ahead. Oh, I'll I'll Mm -hmm. wait. All right. Donna. Yes. What would you say to your parents right now if they were sitting on the couch with us? You sweated the small stuff. Sometimes you should have just let us be be, uh, the kids. My mother did something very interesting when we graduated from high school. She freaked out because we wanted to go to graduation parties. Mm-hmm. And she wanted us home by 9 p.m. And even the parties that we're at, we were at, the parents called and asked if uh, we could stay at midnight. And my mother threw a fit. And my father said to us, can you just come home? Your mother's not ready to let you go, Hmm. and she can't face it. Hmm. Uh, So can you be the bigger people and come home and not make her go through it at this point in time? Because she knows she's going to lose you. That was pretty amazing of my dad to have said that and to know my mother that well. Uh, because we were just angry at her. Sure, you didn't Because understand. she wouldn't let us stay at a party, for God's sakes. To come home at 9 p.m.? What, are you kidding? Uh, so my mom was always, uh, you know, she would, she was always afraid of losing us. At the same time, she, I think she was afraid to be a parent as well. hmm I do think that I got that from her. Because she, uh... Whenever she was really mean, um, she would turn around and make us the most beautiful clothes. My mother could sew better than anybody. So she would make these extraordinary things. Um, So she was always asking for our forgiveness. Right, trying to make it up to you. Trying to make it up to us. Uh, And my dad didn't have to ask for that. He was not a perfect man. He was not a perfect man. Uh, But I think that because maybe he was the last in his family, um, he didn't think that love came with a price tag. Hmm. And my mom, I think, felt that love came with a price tag. I could see that. Yeah, yeah. And the fact that these two people managed... To stay together for that long. And that doesn't mean, I mean, you know, there were moments in my parents' life where, I mean, uh, uh, my dad was put in jail because he beat my mom up. Wow, I never knew that. Yeah, because he thought she was having uh, an affair. And uh, 
She probably was. Hmm. Uh, because I have a 23-jeweled watch uh, that was not given to her by my father. Hmm. Uh, and my sister Carol just kind of looks the way, looks away whenever I say, who gave my mother this watch? It's gorgeous. Uh, and it's funny, every time I wear that watch, I think, okay, mom, who, what was going on there? More to tell. More to tell. Uh, so, uh, you know, and the next day my father got out of, uh, jail and he knew where we were and he came to my uncle Peach's house and he said, I want my girls. And we, uh... Uh, came around the door and we were with him and my mother was going with my aunt to a divorce lawyer and so she came home that night and my sister and I were sitting on the front porch and I guess we were maybe five five or six at the time little little we were little and uh, I remember my father before we sat on the porch he was sitting on the floor next to my mother in the chair and he said, girls, just, you know, would you go outside and sit on the front porch? And then later on, he came out and he said, uh, what I did was really, really wrong. And I want you to know I will never, ever do it again. And that your mom and I are going to stay together. Uh, and uh, it won't always be perfect. Uh, but you don't have to worry. Hmm. You know, so... Uh, I think that the hardest part for my father was when my mother died. Uh, I don't think he really lived those extra five years for us. Because mm-hmm. uh, I know you were worried there for a while about yeah. him dying of a broken heart. Yeah, yeah. Because he would actually, uh, he befriended mice in their house. This got kind of infested with mice. And he would literally put bread on his hands for the mice to come and eat off of his hands. And he would leave water bowls for them. Mm -hmm. uh, Because he had absolutely no idea what to do with himself after my mother died. Mm -hmm. Because they were so whether the fact that they fought of course they did over that long of a span of time but when you have two people who have been together that long uh and one leaves them uh the other really does not know what to do of course not it's half of who they are it is it is absolutely more than half of who they are uh and I think that those five years were really about living through us, his three daughters, uh, my mother. There was something in each one of us mm-hmm. that represented my mother to him. My twin sister and I are very, very different. Uh, and my sister Carol is, you know, uh, 11 years older than us. So... Uh, we present very, very different aspects, mm-hmm. but each one of us has something of my mother. What is your favorite part of yourself that's like your mother? Uh, I think the one that says, fuck you, motherfucker. I'm going to do exactly what I want to do, and I'm going to be exactly who I want to be. That's a woman I met. 
And that's the, that's really, you know, my mother, uh, really absolutely wanted that for herself, mm-hmm. but she was a woman of a very different time, yep. uh, and didn't know how to get there. And at times it made her absolutely, unbelievably, hysterically pissed off mm-hmm. that she really wanted to be that. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, uh, I think that my parents, in their own ways, made me that way. Mm-hmm. Uh, my father never once said to his daughters, uh, you can't do something because you're a woman. Mm-hmm. Uh, except for driving a stick. Rude. Rude. My father thought, said, no, you can't drive a stick. And I had a little Volkswagen Fastback that didn't have a floor that I bought for 600 bucks. And he just said, you're just never going to get this. So I lurched into the driveway and I said, get out of the car. He said, what do you mean get out of the car? I said, I'm going to learn to drive this and not with you because you are not being kind. And he goes, you're not going to learn to drive this car? And I said, well, then you won't see me again. Mm Mm-hmm. So I lurched out of the driveway <laughs> and lurched down the street and went over to my high school and lurched around until I learned to drive that car. And I came back in the driveway and I said, you want to go for a ride? Amazing. And he just looked at me and he goes, where are we going to go? And I said, wherever you want to go. So we went, uh, we went to the store and we got some ice cream. <laughs> and he came back and he goes, well, you can drive this car. And I said, you bet I can drive this car. Um, so, uh, you know, I mean, I think that's the type of people that they, you know, it's every parent. You hope you get the best of them and not the worst of them. Mm-hmm. And that from the worst of them that you learn. Well, I think, Donna, you've done an amazing job of doing that. Because I've known you now for 11 years and you've evolved so much yourself. I mean, God knows I'm a totally different creature. But you've really been someone, I think, that has been tenacious and strong and driven and you know, put your head out there above the rest of us to try and make yourself proud and a name for yourself. And you've been a tremendous wife to your pain-in-the-ass husband. <laughs> if you know John, you'll know what I'm talking about. We'll get him on here someday. Sweetness but, and light. Uh-huh, sweetness and light, yeah. But, Donna, I just want to say thank you so much for coming on here. Oh, you're that- welcome. I, I didn't know exactly what I could say, uh, you know, but uh, you get the best out of me. As always. I love you. I love you too. And thank you guys so much for listening. Please subscribe, like, follow, and rate and review the podcast because we need those. And if you're interested in coming on to My Condolences, reach out to us through the website, www.mycondolencespodcast.com. Thanks, guys. Bye.